Boker Tov, everybody. Um, Boker Tov. Today's daf is Tzadik Tet, 99. We're a little behind. We pick up Tzadik Hamubet. We're at the two dots. Um, about ten lines down in the, uh, medium, in the medium-sized lines. Uh, so if somebody stole Chomet and then Pesach passed over and now it's worthless, nevertheless, since it's physically the same object, he can give it back and say, I've returned the object, right? My obligation is to return the object. The primary obligation is not pay back the value of the object. The primary obligation is return the object. And the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that one fulfills that obligation even if the object is worthless, if physically it's the same object. So Chomet Savaloa Pesach. So the Gemara says, Who's the one that says that even when something is forbidden in benefit and completely worthless, it's still you're still able to say, behold, your thing is before you. That's considered to be a legitimate returning of the object. If an ox killed somebody, before the Gmardin and before it had officially the status of a Sharnisko, Mocho Mocho, if you sell it, it's a good sale. And as Rashi points out, and then once you did that, it can't become a Sharnisko because it has to be under the same ownership in order to make it into a Sharnisko. Hektesho um, Muktesh, if you sanctify it, it's sanctified. The meat is mutter because it does not have a status of a sharnisko, so you can sort of jump in there and do these things before it gets that status. And then it won't become a sharnisko either. Now, if somebody was given an ox to watch and it became a sharnisko in the house of the shomer, then if he returns it before Gmardin, before it has official status of a sharnisko, then it's a good returning. Okay? We should need Medina, however, once there's been a Gmardin and it has that status, so then it's Yisurei Hana, so Machre and Machre, you can't do a good sale, you can't sell it, you no longer have control over it, even if it's yours. Hektesh on a Muktesh, you can't sanctify it. Shachter Basar Asur, once you shecht it, the meat is Asur, even if it didn't, wasn't stoned, once it becomes meat, the meat is Asur. Um, and Hechzir Shemel Ba'alav, Eno Musar, and if you try to return it to the owner and say, look, see, I'm giving you back your ox, that's not legitimate, it's worthless, it's not a legitimate returning of the ox. Okay, so that says you cannot say Haresha Chal Fanecha by Yisurehana. Reb Yaakov, no, you can do it even after Gmardin, you can return it. So Gmar says, look, it looks like there's a debate of Tanayim of whether you can say Haresha Chal Fanecha by something that is forbidden in Hana. My love, Bahakamitsi, it seems like this is the debate. Reb Yaakov, Sabra, Omi, Bisurehana, Haresha Chal Fanecha, Rabban, Sabra, Omi, Bisurehana, Haresha Chal Fanecha. Presumably, the same way they debate by the Sharanisko, they would debate by Chamas Pesach. If something is physically the same, but it's Asr Behana, can you return it and satisfy your obligation, whether you're a Goslin or a Shomer, to say, I've returned the object to the owner? So isn't this the same debate, and wouldn't they debate the case of our Mishnah of Chametz as well? So the Gemara says, Amalei Rabba, so Rabba says back, Lo, no, it's not the same debate. I will tell you that everybody will say, that you can say, that's the general rules you can. And because if, and, and that they would all agree by Chametz and Pesach, the God can say, the Im came because if, because if that weren't true, if they were to really be debating whether you can say, why are they debating the Sharanisko? They should debate Chametz and Pesach. Now you say, what difference does it make? One or the other. But we're going to see in a minute that the Shohanisko introduces other complications. So the fact that they only debated the Shohanisko and they didn't debate Chametz B'Pesach shows, says Rabbah, that in principle everybody agrees that you can say Harei Shechalfanecha and there are special considerations by the Shohanisko. What are the special considerations by the Shohanisko? 
So, El The question is whether you can have a gmar din of the ox, not in the presence of the ox. Okay? That's the issue. What does that mean? How does that tie in here? Uh, Savi, the rabbis hold that the basin could never have had the Gemar Din without having had the ox present. So therefore what? That's why the Shomer can't return it. Why? How does that tie yeah, in? The Amar because they can now say to the Shomer, listen buddy, if you would have returned it to me before the Gemar Din, I would have hidden it away in the swamp. So, Hasha, now, your negligence that you let Basin seize it, you've now had it seized by somebody I cannot deal with. I cannot, you know, bring, I cannot bring them to court because they are the court. So, basically, it's your negligence that brought this about. And that's why you can't return it. The Basin could have had the Gemardian even without the ox present. Because you know, because because you know, you could say, "What do I? What have I done to you?" So stuff. I returned it. They would have had a gemar So therefore, in principle, you can say, The reason the rabbanon say you cannot hear is because it was your negligence that this happened. Now, the obvious problem with this is. Who cares that it was your negligence that this happened? The whole idea is, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that it was my negligence. It's the same object I'm returning. It was also the Gazan's negligence that he didn't return the Chametz before Pesach. It was also the Shomer's negligence that maybe that he let the shore become a shore on this that he let the shore go out and gore. Right? So what difference does this make if fundamentally you can say, <coughs> this is discussed by Rashi and Tosos earlier, because you might remember this yeah, came out much earlier. Yeah. And Tosos basically tries to say that it's sort of like, remember what we discussed earlier about Desedego, about Psalto Malchus, that if something is puzzled by the government, by the entire country, whatever, then it could be considered like a visible damage, even though physically the thing hasn't changed. But if it changes the way we look at it, it's like it's a visible damage. So Tosa says the same issue is here true by the case of the Shorhanisko. That if the reason is that based in, because, because they seized it, that allowed it to become a Shorhanisko. So the fact that it's being held by Bastin, and that was sort of like critical to its status, that makes it like its status of a Shorhanisko is visible. We see that Bastin is holding it, that's a part of it, a necessary part of it becoming a Shorhanisko. So somehow that makes it as if it's a visible status. That's the way Tosis explains it. Rashi tries to say there's some combination of negligence and a non-visible damage that makes that makes it impossible to return, which is more shot of the words of the Gemara, but less hard, but harder to understand. Anyway, that's the way the Gemara is saying it. It's not so clear why that should matter, but the Gemara is saying it's a unique issue by Shor Hanisko about and the degree of negligence or the degree of visibility over the fact that Basin seized it. Okay, but it would not be a, de- a debate by Chametz Pesach. Wait a minute. Let's finish out this. Okay, so the Gemara says Ashkei Rav Chizal Raba. So Rav Chizal found Raba by Shmuel. Amalei Tanisa Midi Yisraelis. Rav Chizal was the one who wanted to say it was the same debate. So he said to Raba, "Have you Bashmuel? Have you taught any bright about Yisrael uh, Hanar that could help us figure out whether this is the same debate by Shor Hanisko? Would they also debate Chametz Pesach, or is it, a, or is it spe- a local, a specific debate of Shor Hanisko?" Amalei In, yes, I did teach something. Tanina, we taught. Say Shiva it says, you shall return the lost, the, the stolen object. That you stole. So you have to return it in the state it was when you took it. Okay? And otherwise it wouldn't be a good returning. So what's defined being in the same state? 
So Mikanam Gazamat Pehavnish so this is like a recap of our Mishnah. Okay, Peus Vihir Kivu, Yain Vihichmit. So if you stole a um so if you stole a coin it became invalid fruit and they beca- and they rotted wine now all these by the way you're going to be able to say so the Gemara is going to ask about the rotting fruit because in our Mishnah the rotting fruit you were not able to say but here the gears by Hichmitz most people here have the gears either it was poured as so it's worthless but it's not visible or some have the gears of not Hichmitz but Hichrim which means that it became like a little bad but not really vinegary okay so it's a slight so we said, let's do the case of Nasech. Okay, so it was poured as Yainasech. It's not visible. Truma vinitmes, Truma's tame. So some, so we have mostly non-visible things here, other than the fruit. Right, the coin is not is no longer valid. The wine is iser hana. The Truma's tame. Chametz ravalava pasach. The hema an animal that was used in an act of sex, and now that has to be either stoned or couldn't be isn't good for the altar. For sure, atzilonig bardino or an ox before the gemardin. You can All of that satisfies the Torah's requirement of a sher gazal. Since it's physically the same thing, it satisfies the Torah's requirement, even though it's worth nothing. Now, the thing is, notice what this mission did. It said you can say by chametz. But you can only say it by the Sharnifka before Gemardin, not after Gemardin. Yeah. Which makes it clear that the Gemardin of a Sharnifka is a separate consideration from the standard ability to say Arei Shechal Fanecha by Isurei yeah, Hanar. There's no physical change in the Sharnifka. And other things here, you're able to say Arei Shechal Fanecha. Man Shamusaydama Adjelo Nigmar in Mishanigmar Dinalo. Who says you can only return a Sharnifka before Gemardin, not after Gemardin? Rabbanan, the rabbis, right? They're the ones who debate Rabbi Yaakov. And even though they're saying by a Sharnifka, you can't return to that. After Gemardin, the Ketani, we still teach Chametz Ravalava Pesach. Omer Aleishah Chavanecha. You can say Aleishah Chavanecha by Chametz. You can say it in general by Yisurei Hana. It's just a special thing by Yisur Hanisko. You can't say it. So it shows that Rabba was right and Rav Chiz was wrong. It's only a debate of Yisur Hanisko. In general, you're able to say it. Amalei, so Rav Chiz said, Imashkechuluhu. If you see other people from the base Medrash, Lo Seimeluhu Vlomidi. Don't tell them anything. Don't tell them that I've been proven wrong by this bright. <laughs> Which raises interesting questions about intellectual honesty, right? Okay, I was totally proven wrong. Rabba was proven right. The bright that shows it's only a debate of Shranisko. Everybody agrees in general you can say Rei Shachavanecha, but don't go ahead and publicize the fact that I got it wrong. Yes? Isn't there something fundamental? That'll be a Hezek Shein Yes. Uh, I mean, in other words, this is a sure, sure murdered somebody, killed right. somebody. I'm supposed to bring it to Beitin. I could have laundered the money. Right. What are you doing exposing the money? I could have laundered it on an offshore account. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, like, well, you know, what type of an issue is in subverting? I mean, there's two aspects. One is exposing the public to a hazard. But, you know, you could make other arguments about that. Maybe I would have killed it myself and eaten the meat, but I wouldn't have made it into a Shohanisko. The other is just, like, subverting the justice of the court, right? Like, what type of a... Uh, you know, what type, right, what type of an isser is there? One imagines there would be an isser. Like, there's an isser to not testify, if you know te- testimony. There's an isser to, isser to testify falsely, right? But what type of an isser is there to, like, uh, avoid the judgment of the court, especially if it's not in terms of your reliability to another person, you know? It's a good question. On the other hand, let's remember that when it comes to executing human beings, right, you know, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfin says if we were, if we were in the court, we would have ensured that they never would have executed anybody. We would have always found something 
some loophole. So I understand that this is an ox and not a human being, but it raises interesting questions about subverting the judgment of a court when it's basically between the person and God, if you would, not between an interpersonal matter. Well, it has um, to do with the death of something. It's a death, yeah. It's a good question, though, that the Gemara is never, right, is never critical of that type of a, of, of a you know, never voices a problem with that type of, an, of, of a choice. Okay, let's look at the next Mishnah. Okay, so that was the idea that, well, that was continuing, until now we've been continuing the theme of the first Mishnah, which is you pay Kishas HaGzela, what's considered a Shinoi that you acquire it, what's enough of a Shinoi that maybe you don't acquire it, but it's damaged, you have to pay the difference between its value now and Shas HaGzela, and when is it might be worth nothing, but it's physically the same, and you can say, Now we turn a little bit away from Gzela, okay, and we turn to an interesting question, which maybe to some degree belongs more in the first half of Babakama, which um, is... Um, uh, if a uh, if somebody that uh, a craftsman or a you know somebody you've been given to do a job with your object uh, messes it up and damages the object, so let's take a look. You gave some uh, you know something to a you know you gave your bike to the uh, repair shop and they uh, to fix it and they messed it up, they ruined the gears or whatever they did. They have to pay. Okay, <laughs> if you gave it to a carpenter, a box, and different types of a box, a cabinet, or something like that, charash, excuse me, right, because <laughs> I think charash, I'm thinking, and then the next word begins with a shin, I'm thinking about saying charash, right, charash, thank you very much, thank you, you gave to a carpenter, some type of a box, or cabinet, to fix it, to Kyokel, and they broke it. They have to pay. They're just like a, basically uh, like a type of an Adam Amazic. Well, we'll discuss to what to be it's Adam Amazic or a different category. The um, Habanai, and let's say a builder, um, a, um, a construction guy, Shakiba Olav, we stored Dakota, but he took a, you know, he, you know, he, he agreed, you, uh, he took a commission to write, knock down a wall, the Shibra Havanim, and in the process, he destroyed the stones, because you want him to dismantle the wall and use the stones elsewhere. And in the process, he actually broke the stones. Oh, or he damaged them. He has to pay. He was taking down the stones from one side of the wall, and because of what he was doing on the wall, some stones in a different location of the wall fell down. Potter, he's exempt. The imach masamaka, but if it's because he's, but, but if it is because of what he did, he's hitting the wall with his hammer, and that caused the uh, reverberations. Then chayev, then he does have to pay. Okay, so all, so it's interesting what this is doing in our parak. But anyway, we'll bracket that for a moment. Let's see what the gemara discusses. This gets us back to interesting automatic discussions. The same way yesterday with all of Rabba's statements about you know grama and throwing a coin into the ocean or whatever that got us back to automatic as well. Here too, we're revisiting an automatic. Amar Ravasi says Ravasi. Lo shanu elo shenazam lecharash shedet evel migdal lenaitzpa masmer v'natven masmer v'shibran. The case is you gave them a box or whatever cabinet to bang a nail into it, and in the process of banging a nail, they broke it. But meaning they didn't improve it first. All they did was they they ruined it in the process. Okay, aval nazam lecharash eitzim lasot shedet evel migdal. You gave them just wood, and you said build me a cabinet. They built you a nice box, a nice cabinet, patur. Now they built it, so here's the thing. You gave them worth, worth wood worth twenty dollars, and you said build me a box. It's a gorgeous box worth two hundred dollars. Banging in the next last nail, they crashed the box and they broke it. What do they owe you? Do they owe you the twenty dollars for the wood, or do they owe you the two hundred dollars for breaking your beautiful box? 
Okay, I'm going to pay you for you know for for you know for whatever the fee we agreed upon. But now it was my two hundred dollar box that you broke. Okay, so before the box is returned, the craftsman put in this value, transformed the value. Who owns the box, the improved value of the box before it's been returned? That's like okay. stealing something and doing a shinu to it. Did he steal it? Is it I yours yet? Yeah. It seems to be parallel, right? No. If you had these raw materials and no, you it is. Machine, yeah, okay, it's somewhat similar, because, but even if there's not... Yes, but I don't... It's not... We'll see how the Gemara says it. It's more like he's created something. It's not like he... Yes, it's true. He did change the wood from one to the other, but the question is less did he own the wood because he changed it. The question is more, does he own, you know, his yeah. creation? Right. Yeah. You know, so... Um, so let's take a look. Um... You do not have to pay for breaking this $200 box. Okay, you have to pay maybe for the wood or something. But my time, what's the reason? The, the craftsman owns the improvement of the vessel until the time that he actually gives it back to the owner. And by the way, the way that we're going to see later that you understand this is, if you give me 50 bucks to turn your wood into a box, what, according to this concept, what you're really doing is saying, I will pay you $50 for the box that you create. You're not paying me $50 for my labor. You're go- we've agreed that you're going to pay, I'm going to make a box out of this, and we've agreed that the selling point of that box is going to be $50, and you're going to buy that box off of me, but it's going to be my box until I sell it to you. Yes? So then why did you say that you would still pay them for their labor? seems like if they own the box, and you're right. getting the box, now it's broken, why are you paying the money? Well, if we would say that I'm not Kone right. if we would say it's your thing, right. so if you're going to make me pay because it was your box and I broke it, but it only became your box because you hired me to make it. Like, you can't have both. You can't have not paying me, and it all, right? Yeah. You know, and it have been, if you weren't paying me, then I wasn't working for you when I built the box, right? Right, but you still damaged my wood. Okay, I would have to pay you for your wood, but right. but you want but if you want to collect for me destroying your two hundred dollar yeah, box, yeah, yeah. that would only be if you actually paid me for the job. Then it became your two hundred dollars and so on. Right, okay, right. okay. But if we're saying if you're not just paying the, that two hundred dollars, you're just right. So if you're right, if, you're, if I'm not paying the two hundred dollars, if I'm then then I guess then it's I'm you, not paying you for your right. Exactly, exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. correct. Um, right, because according to the conception that you only, anyway, pay me, you're not paying me for my labor, you're paying me to buy the box, right. So if I bring an auto mechanic my broken car, right. so, and he charges me $1,000, yeah. I'm buying back, according to this, a different car. Right, essentially. I mean, it's an interesting question about the stage between knocking in a nail and raw materials. Like, if you're fixing something that's broken, is that also shvach kli? Okay, but uh, it's, let's take a look, all right? So the Gemara says like this, but it really is a question of whether you conceptualize this as, I'm paying you for your labor, and it's obviously my thing that now is worth more, that you're improving, which is the natural way of thinking about it, or we're agreeing on a, new, on, on, on a, on a purchase point of something that you're going to create and you're going to own with my wood. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, okay, uh, um, uh, uh, okay. My time will come exactly. Now let's look. Our Mishnah says, You gave it to the craftsmen and they destroyed it, they have to pay. My love, the Yavlu who ate him, so presumably that they gave him wood and they have to pay for break, and that's the Chiddush of the Mishnah, that they have to pay for breaking a beautiful box, even though it was the box that they built. So, lo, 
No, shade of table, Migdal. No, you gave them just a box to bang a nail into. But if you gave them wood, they would not have to pay. says one minute. How many can he say for shade of table, Migdal? Michal Duresha hates him. No, there's two cases. First it says you gave craftsmen, and then it says you gave him shade of table, Migdal. So presumably the first case is you gave him raw material. And nevertheless, it's your box that's, that's being broken. So Mosh says, no, Amri, you can say, Pirusha come Farishla. The end part of the Mosh is explaining the first part. Under what circumstances do they have to pay for destroying the whole beautiful box? It's like you gave them a box to begin with and they just were fixing it. But if they built it from raw materials, they would not have to pay. It makes sense to read the Mishnah that the second case of actually giving them a box is a clarification of the first line. The Yisakadaitachresha eats in if the first line was talking about giving them raw materials, wood, you're going to tell me that by raw materials you have to pay for destroying the whole box. And we wouldn't say that the Uman takes possession of the improvement, that it's my, the owner's, you know, you know thing that's now been improved. So that's true. Do you have to tell me that you're paying if you break it when you got it whole, when you already got it as a cabinet? No. If that was your only point, that's not evident. The second case is clarifying, is, is making it clear what the first case is talking about. You shouldn't say, You shouldn't think that the first case only, because it's generic, don't think it's only talking about giving them a box, but if you gave them raw material, you would not have to pay for destroying the finished product. So in the end, it clarifies. We're not talking about giving it raw material. Let me be clear. All we're talking about is when you're giving them the, you know, already a built box. One minute, did I read that wrong? I got lost which way I was going. Uh, first of all, we're saying, one minute. Oh, I'm sorry. First of all, we're saying, wait, wait, wait. First of all, we're saying is the second part is clarifying the first part. Because if the first part were Eitzim, you wouldn't have to say the second part. And then we're saying, no, the first part is Eitzim, but had we not said the second part, you would have said the first part was only a box. So therefore, we say that the second part is, is a box, Michal, to make it clear, to rate Sha'atim, that the first part is talking about wood, the Filuachichai of Lashalim, and even so you have to pay. Alright, so one way or the other, it's not clear if the Mishnah, if the first part, the second part of the Mishnah is clearly talking about the box, is the first part of the Mishnah just a lead into that, or is the first part of the Mishnah talking about raw material? So you can't prove from the Mishnah this question of whether, if you give the craftsmen the raw material and they build a box, do they own that box now, or do you own that box? And if they destroy it, do they have to pay you for destroying your box, or do they just have to pay you for your wood? Okay. Let's try to prove this idea of Umon Kodem Shvachli. You gave uh, wool to a dyer. Um, and the pot caused it to, to burn and destroy. Okay, meaning it's not like he did anything wrong, you know, whatever, uh, but whatever, it just got destroyed in the process. He didn't okay. walk it. He, well, maybe he did wrong. He didn't walk it. No sin loads made tomorrow. He pays you for your wool. Okay, he made so. It's only for your wool. Right. Why doesn't he pay you for destroying dyed wool? Because maybe you know, presumably first it got dyed and it got improved in value, and then it got destroyed. So to make tomorrow in the cost of the wool, yes. To make tomorrow, he doesn't pay you for having destroyed your improved wool. 
So laugh, are we not talking about a case that first it fell into the pot, it absorbed the dye, and then it got burnt, and then it got destroyed. And nevertheless, he's not paying you for the destroyed, improved wool. The Ikashvacha, that it's a bit improved. And we see that he thinks he owes the improvement because he's not paying you for the improved wool, he's only paying you for the base wool. No, who says? Maybe it means that as soon as the wolf fell in, it got destroyed. Okay? The lurker shivcha, that there is with no improvement. Okay, one minute. So what would you say? You would say, though, that if he burnt it after it absorbed the dye, what would be the story? No thing would make tomorrow. Then he would pay for vishvacho. He would pay for the wolf and the improvement. So if that's true, if that's what Yeshua is saying, you're explaining this Mishnah to be it got destroyed right away, implies that if it would have been destroyed after it improved, that he would pay for the improved value. It implies that you, Shmuel, hold that Uman is Kona Bishvach. I'm sorry, that an Uman is yes. not Kona Bishvach Kli. If he's going to pay for the improved value, he's not Kona Bishvach Kli. Right? You want to say the, that if it would have improved first, he would have been paid for the improved value. So the Menra, Lema, does that seem to indicate that Shmuel lays laid to Ravasi? Shmuel argues with Ravasi. Shmuel would say an Uman is not Kona, and if he destroyed it later in the process, he pays for the full value. Amalukha Shmuel, Shmuel would say, no, not necessarily, maybe I do hold Uman as Kona Bishvachli. But Harav, the Lehavkina, could go to the summer of the Simanim, the Baal Habayas. The Tzava Agar Yadeh Hudushakya. Here becomes an interesting question. If you say that an Uman is Kona Bishvachli, what are the circumstances in which you frame it that way, or you frame the guy as I'm only paying you for your labor? There's got to be ways in which you can pay the guy only for his labor. So the Gemara says, well, let's say, for example, you provide all the raw material. I provide the wool, and I provide the dye, and all you have to do is you have to, like, combine the two. So that case, maybe you're seen as just a hired hand, and you're not, like, take possession of it. Now, I don't really get that fully, because I can imagine you give me, what, wood, that pretty much is all the raw materials. I mean, the rest is just my skill. What if you give me wood and nails, and I turn it into a beautiful table, since I, you gave me the raw materials? That's, like, what is the point? I'm not exactly sure, right? Is it just because you provided the raw materials that changes it? I mean, the Gemara is going to describe in a minute a case where, let me maybe give it an, an easier contrast, a case where I'm not commissioning you to build a table. I'm not commissioning you to die the table. I am paying you an hourly wage, Okay? You come in, obviously the job is to get the table done, but at the end of the day, I'm just paying you by the hour. In that case, you're not an Uman Kona Mishvachli. You're not creating something and I'm paying you for the end product. You are just doing, I'm paying you per hour for your working on this job. Okay? So that you understand that even if Uman is Kona Mishvachli, that you're not sort of producing it and owning it and selling it to me, you're just being paid by the hour. Somehow the Gemara understands, at least in the case of dying, and I don't know if it would say this by all other things, because presumably there are not too many materials by the case of making the cabinet, right? But for the case of dyeing, it somehow assumes that if I give you the wool and the dye, then you're not being sort of paid for the job, and you're not sort of, you know, creating something new, and I'm buying something new off of you. Then, because I also gave you the dye, I'm just paying you for your labor. There's the yore, and there's the 18 to heat it up, right? There's all that stuff, you say. Uh, well, the Gemara speaks about the dye. It doesn't speak about the 18. But anyway, but some reason, because I've also given the dye, that changes it from a case of create this thing and I'll buy the thing off of you, which is how you would conceptualize it as a woman comes back and more like I'll pay you for your labor. 
Okay, but yeah, again, maybe because the do- I, I don't know. Yeah, you, you, you think you have an idea, Jenna? Why? That? I mean, because think about the carpentry case, right? The right. wood is pretty much all the raw materials. If I also gave, if I also threw in some yeah. nails, that would make the difference. A carpenter, when he, when it, like he's gonna come do a job for you, he's gonna bring his own nails, he's gonna bring his own tools, he's gonna bring. He's like a right. professional who has like right. a setup. Has, you're just giving the raw materials, and he's bringing it into his kind of. Yeah, but isn't the isn't the dyer the same? Doesn't yeah. he have his vat? And you want to say if you, if you have everything, if it's my dyeing operation and I just hire you, right, but maybe that's what the Gemara means by giving the dye. Right. But if you're just giving me the dye, you say, look, I, I went to China, I bought this gorgeous dye, here's this dye, here's this wool, and I'm going to take it into my, fa- and you know, you're going to take it into your factory and do it. That would, I don't, maybe not, I don't know. Okay. Could be. Yeah, you could be right. So for some reason, that would change the scenario. Where other cases are going to be more obvious where you're just being paid for your labor. Okay? But um, Tzava, so in that case, where you're giving him the dye, the dyer, um, other yadi yudishaki, he's just getting the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the fee for his work. You know, um, literally like the schar of, yada, of yadav, you know, the fee for his handiwork. Okay? Yihasi, that's true. No thing made to make tomorrow, but the money, by the way, that can't be. Because then, if it's also your dye, then it should have said he has to reimburse you for the wool and for the dye. Not for the improved wool, but at least for the cost of the dye. That's clearly not the case. So then, if the fact that Shmuel says that we're talking that it got destroyed right away, sounds like Shmuel would hold, but if it improves, it's not, Ilumen is not Kona Bishvachli. Ella, but you know what the Gemara says, you can't pin Shmuel down. He doesn't have a clear position on this. Shmuel Bichuya Kamadachile, she's just saying you can't prove anything from that Mishnah. So look, I'm, I, I don't know what I hold about this, or I'm not taking a side on this. I'm just saying the Mishnah that it says pay for the wool, you can't prove that an Umen is not Kona Bishvachli. Because it could be talking about the fact that it got destroyed right away. Okay? So we can't prove one way or the other. If I hire a house painter to paint the walls of my house, right. the outside of my house, <laughs> yeah. according to that, he owns the outside wall of that house. No, so I get it. I think that the Gemara, like I said, went to two extremes. It went from knocking in a nail to creating yesh meyayin, from wood creating a box. Right? If you have a dented thing and they fix a damage, I don't think that's the shvachli. I think we really are talking about something has transformed. And to some way, that makes it more relevant for Gozel, Eitz, and discussion. We're talking about, like, a shinoi transforms the identity of something. Right. But notice that's not in the Mishnah. That's the discussion in the Gemara. All the Mishnah said is you pay for damages. Yes? In secular law, there's a concept of mechanics lien, where if I give you something to fix and, I, and you fix it, you don't own it, but you have the right to, to keep collect, it. Collect, so I, I pay you. That's a different story. Okay, so the verse is like this. Hashma, come in here. Anosin talisa uman. You gave your, uh, you know, sure. your, your your cloak right to the uman. Gamrovodio. Um, so he finished it and he said and he let you know, hey buddy, you know your shirt's ready to pick up. Even if you wait 10 days to pick it up, or 10 days is, an, is a whatever, it means like wait 100 days, you don't transgress, right? The issue is the prohibition of don't allow, you know, the fee for the uh, hired, for the, you know, for the, for, 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 your, uh, for the person that you hired to, to sleep overnight. You have to pay him, at, you know, within the next period immediately after the day of work. So here you waited 10 days to pay him. But the chiddush here of this of this is is that until you picked it up, you're not yet obligated to pay him. He might have done the work, but your obligation to pay does not begin until you pick it up. Okay, so it's a focus on this question of the isra of lo talim tulat tachir. 
Ena over love. You don't transgress. Mishum lo talim. Nafkulo b'chatsi hayom. If our Rebbe gave it to you in the middle of the day, he gave it to you at 2 p.m., so once, you know, once now that, you know, you have until the end of the next, of, of that period. If, he gave, if, if his work finished at sunset, then you have the night to pay him. If his work finished here in the middle of the day, you have until sunset to pay him. So, Okay, now, here's the question. Why is that relevant to our discussion? Here's why it's relevant. If an Uma takes possession in the improvement, am I over Mishum Baal Why do you transgress? You should never transgress. Why should you never transgress? Because it's never, it's never the, the it, it, it's never the, um, the, the fee of his handiwork. It's only a sale. Right? Even if he gives it to me, once he gives me my shirt, I'm not holding back from him his fee. What I'm holding back from him is the money of the sale. Right, because every the transaction is conceptualized as a sale. You guys, with me here? So now, by the way, though, notice that this is a case of a shirt to fix, not something from raw material creating a complete new thing. So even in this case of fixing something, it's considered to be it's now his new object. You know, which is very funny. I mean, what do you mean his new object? Like, you know, it's a car that you fix. Right, ninety-nine percent of that car is mine. Like, what percent of it exactly do you own? You own the whole car now. I mean, it's hard to exactly understand what is it that he owns if he made a small fix in a, you know, in, a, in some in something. So why did, why wasn't he over after ten days, but he is over after half a day? Because until you pick it up, you're not obligated to pay. Mm-hmm. Until you pick, pick it, it up, until you pick it up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But what the Gemara says yeah. is, if Unas comes you're it's never his fee. It's always just like I haven't paid you for a sale. If I buy a car off of you and I'm pay- taking my time paying you, I'm not over on low telling Pulat Sahir. I'm just, oh, you know, I'm just being late in paying you for a sale. Okay? So the Gemara says, but again, the Chiddush here is that the Gemara applies it even to like fixing something. So the Gemara says, Amarav Mari Braidrav Kana, the guard of the Sarvala. Okay, we're talking about a case of like some of the, like, of the, the woolly part of a thick cloth that you basically wanted him to, you know, like smooth it or something. So the Gemara here is trying to describe the line of when it's considered to be like you really changed the thing and improved it that he now owns it. So you didn't really have him fix like a torn garment, make it from a non-garment to a garment. You just had him do some type of a trivial type of a thing, smooth it down. The Gemara says, so what? That's still an improvement. So, so, why did you give it to him? He obviously was fixing something. The Rehuche, to soften it. He did something and it softened the hard wool. Even the Ratzeh, since he softened it, Hainu Shivcha, that's the Sheva. So he doesn't own, and here, by the way, is the, the answer to what we're talking about. It's not Uman Kona Bishli. It's Uman Kona Bishvach. Okay? So, and this is why you must apply it even to a small improvement. You tell him to fix your banking fender. He doesn't own your car. He owns the improvement of your car. Your car was worth ten thousand dollars, and now it's worth eleven thousand dollars. So he owns that thousand dollar value in your car. Your shirt, your hard shirt, was worth nine dollars. Now that it's softer, it's worth ten dollars. He owns one dollar value in your ten dollar shirt. So he is now he is selling you that at a bargain rate of fifty cents because that's what you agreed on, right? You t- told the mechanic, "I'll pay you a hundred dollars to fix my fender." So he is selling you your improved $1,000 value of your car for the low rate of $100. That's what you agreed upon. Okay, but he doesn't own the car. He owns the improved value of the car. 
Okay, so it's like an abstract type of a thing. But we're still conceptualizing it as a sale and not as a fee for services. Is this clear to everybody? That's why you can apply it because it's Uman Kona the Shvach Kli. That's Uman Kona the Kli. So the, 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 the guy does the improvement can't really make a claim of ownership on the object. He doesn't own the object. He owns a part of the object. He owns the improved value of the object. Of the object. Yeah, the improved value of the object. But you, but but you agreed that he would sell it to you at whatever price you agreed at All the beginning. All contractual. Yeah, but we're conceptualizing it as we're conceptualizing. It's a very fascinating idea. We're conceptualizing an idea of like of a type of a commission to improve an object, not as a payment for services, but as a payment for what you've improved in the object. Like, you know, you own that improvement and I'm going to buy it off of you. Yeah? You mentioned if you're still owning the bulk of the car or whatever, you mentioned you would have to, if you, like, don't pick it up within the time frame that they say, that you would have to, like, pay rental fees and store it, right? Yeah, but that's that's true. That's true regardless. Right? However you conceptualize it, that's true. Right? No, they own it. They right, they were totally own it. But, right, but we're not, right, but that's true, but we're not saying it. Right. Yeah. I understand the distinction. I just don't understand why we're choosing the structure like that. Right, right. Why do we talk about everything that everybody conceptualizes as a fee as a Now, the reason might be, and this might be what, again, it's funny, because the Gemara belongs in, Bubba, in this section of Bubba Kama, the mission didn't. The mission just says you have to pay for damages. But, but the, what, we're, what we're going here with Umban Komishrachli, once we've established this whole idea of Shinri Kona, which is what Rabbi Dove was saying, now you can understand an idea that's saying, well, one minute. And even if somebody, maybe if somebody, maybe even more so, if somebody is doing it with license to do it, and maybe not, because he's working for you, he's seen as an extension of you, but one way or the other, if he's transforming it and making a Shinri of it, maybe that should give him some ownership rights in it. So in a way, based on what we discussed before about Shinei Kona, you understand why it leads us to thinking maybe you actually own that thing that you improve until you give it back to the owner, right? So, yeah, it is a sense. Yeah, right. But anyway, let's see where the Gemara now continues. Okay? That's the improvement. So why, again, are you considered to be a hired hand? You should be a seller. And there should be no Isser of Lotalim. So um, you, you, you hired him to like, uh, basically to stomp on it. Maybe also the way of softening it. Now, why does that make a difference? Because so, you said, bicha, bicha, bimasa. Every stomping you do, I'll pay you a dollar. So, so you're not paying him for the end result. You're not, he's not a contractor. Okay? He is, he's a hired man. Every, every hour you walk on it, you know, I want you to, I want you to, you know, I want you to, uh, you know, to run it through the machines and I'll pay you a dollar for every time, you know, you whatever, you do the stomping. So that's not paying for the end result. That's clearly paying him as a higher hand. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. What we thought initially, that you weren't paying him for the stomping, and it wasn't for, you know, and it was actually a case of contracting. This supports our stations. To both the name of Shashas, that's the Shashas of Alan question, which really intersects with our question. Kablanut, if you hire somebody as a Kablan, as a contractor, for the job, not hourly, overlove and shoot Baltalin or anal overlove. You transgress Baltalin or not. Okay? I'm paying you $1,000 to uh, whatever, you know, to, to make me a cabinet. Okay? And, I'm, and then I pay, delay paying you. <coughs> to some degree, the answer is, well, if you say, Umen Kona Bishvachli, then it's not, then, then it's a purchase. Right? So then you're not over on Baal Talim. But Rav Sheshis asked this question, 
without the framing of Un Mekona B'Shvachli. And you could understand, look, the Torah says, Pulat Sachir, a hired hand. So maybe, just technically, that's not the same for somebody who's a Kablan. Forget Un Mekona B'Shvachli. So he wanted to know, is there an Isser by Kablanut? Okay, so Amul Rav they they asked Rav And Rav Sheshev said to them, over, you do transgress, which sounds like, not only is it in the Pasuk of, of Lutalin, but that it's, Uman is not Kona Vishvach Kli. Otherwise, it would be a sale. Lema Rav Sheshev pleaded Ravati. Let's say Rav Sheshev argues on Ravati and says that Uman is not Kona Vishvach Kli. Amashmur Bar'acha Bishlicha Igrisa. No, no, no. There's a way you could have a contractor without Shvach Kli. What could you have that? You hire somebody to, 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 uh, to deliver a letter. Okay? So I'm paying you for the job. I don't care if it takes you one hour or a thousand hours. I'm paying you for the job of delivering the letter. But there's no physical object that got improved as a result. It's a service. Okay, it's a service. Exactly. A service as Thanks opposed to... to uh, manufacturing. Uh, yeah. Right. So if it is... So we could have a case where we could ask the question, if Uman is Kona Vishwakli, then when you actually produce something new, make an improvement, that would not be Pulatsakhia because that's a sale. That's not a fee. Okay, but what Rav just wanted to know is a type of a kaplanut that does not improve something, a service. I'm paying, and I'm paying you for the job. And in that type of a case, it's not only kind of but it's not exactly sachar sachir. Is that in the category of lotalim pulat sachir? And Rav Sheshis said that it was. How about a service like psychotherapy? There you go. No, that's our That's outrageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go try to get a psychiatrist to agree with that. To be based on the end result, not yeah. on the process. Okay. Anyway. Now they all, now the HMOs all pay capitation. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so the answer is like this. Let's say that this is a debate of tonight. Okay. A woman says to a man, um, uh, make for me, you know, here's some uh, gold. Make for me some nice, you know, uh, necklaces and nose rings and rings. And you'll turn that into these nice pieces of jewelry, and I'll marry you with that. Instead of giving me a ring, by turning my gold into a ring, that will be the, you know, kestet that you've given me, that I'll marry you. Okay? So once this guy that turned it into these nice jewelry, she's married. Because he now, presumably, what did he give her? Presumably he gave her the improved value of the gold. Okay? Which would mean, Uman is not going to be she gave, he gives him the gold. She gave him the gold. And he uh, turns it into, into a, jewelry. Uh, into a ring. Into, into a ring, right. So now, so Rebner, do you remember? Rebner says, excuse me, credentials. Presumably why? I just, you know, I gave this woman something. I gave her the increased value of her gold. Which means, that, okay, so that's what Rebbe Mayer says. She's not married. Until she gets money into her hand. My mama. Now, what does it mean until she gets money? Until those rings go into her hands. So what? Rebbe would hold that she's married even before the rings have been handed over? So, that could... What's he marrying her with? Okay, well, what did he give her? Now, I don't exactly get that, because you could say, if an woman is, you know, you could say that, you know, gave her the increased value, even if he hasn't physically handed it over yet. What? Well, how has he given it to her if he hasn't handed it over? Well, he's improved her... I guess he's given her a service. So 
Right, and then he can give it to her. I don't know. Let's say he never took possession. Let's say he went and he worked on her car. And he said, I'll marry you with the work I'll do on your car. And he basically, and the car was in her driveway. And so then... Yeah. Or he never took it. So no, but I'm saying, Anyway, we'll go on. It's just to me, it's not so clear why she has to have physical possession of the object. Her object now, she's not stealing the object, her object now has greater value. Why, does she, why is it so clear to the Gemara that she has to take physical possession of the object? He's now increased the value By of her property. By right. Anyway, and, and, and whoever gets betrothed today with money. Well, so it's an object. Well, that's different. Okay. So now, anyway, but the Gemara understands that until it's been handed over, you can't say that he's given her anything. Okay? So you can't, so, you can't say he's given her anything until he's handed over. So, El Kita, my mom, and mom and it must be the rabbi's means, you'll never marry her by giving her the improved rings. If you want to marry her, you have to give her something else. So now, what are they debating? The Sabrua, and we're assuming... Here's another fun debate, which is, when you pay somebody for a job, assume now women are not going to respond I'm paying you for a job, okay? Do I basically owe you zero until you're done with the job? And when you're done with the job, I owe you whatever we agreed upon, $100. Um, or, every single minute you work, I owe you for, you know, it's like accrued interest, right? For every single minute, whatever. I owe you for every minute that you work, you know, I owe you a, a penny for every minute that you work, and then if, you know, in the middle of the job, I'll owe you for, you know, at that stage, I owe you $50. If it's three quarters away, I owe you $75. End of the job, I owe you $100. So I owe you nothing until the job is over. Okay? Yes, we had had this before. So, everybody holds, you start, you, you owe for, you know, for the payment from the very beginning till the end. Okay? And everybody else agrees. I'm a kind of Mikudesha. That if you try to marry a woman with a debt, with money she owes you, or money owes you, but let's say money she owes you, she's not married, because you haven't given her anything. You're not marrying her with the benefit of being mocha of the debt. Actually, she owes you $100, and you're saying, keep the $100. So you haven't given her anything. Okay, so she's anamikudesha. So, if putting all that together, why is that relevant? So this woman gave me this stuff. Okay? If I owe, if anamikudesha, el libisof, so... She owes me nothing for my work, okay, until it's done. When it's done, that would come with a charge of $100. And at that moment, I'm saying, I am, don't pay me the $100. I'm giving you my work, my labor I'm giving you, okay? So in that case, it seems like I'm being mekadish with the value of my labor, and that could work. But if yes, no, it's from Tchilaviyatsov, okay, um, every, as I'm working, it's money that she owes me. So by the time I'm done, it's not like, it's not like, I'm, rather than owing me something, here's, take the gift of my labor. No. As I was working, she was owing me for every minute of work. So right now, all we have is a $100 debt, right, that's been accrued. So at that time, if I want to say, don't pay me, what I'm really saying is, I'm Makadish you with some money you owe me, the money that you've been owing me since the beginning. So Makadish from Milvani Makudesha. So number one, because we say, yes, no, so what we have here created is a debt, is a milva. And therefore, I can't marry her with the milva. So what can I marry her with? How can she be Mikudesha by what I've done to improve the object? Let's take a look. So, um, my love, the Uman Kodavishvachli to me for me. The must be whether Uman is Kodavishvachli. Rav Meir Shavar, Uman Kodavishvachli. Rav Meir Shavar, Uman Kodavishvachli. So therefore, Rav Meir says, look, you're right, but I, I, she doesn't, 
But it's not that she owes me $100. What's the reality here that I've improved it? Not that she owes me $100. The reality is, I now own a hundred, uh, you know, the improved value of these, do- of these gold. Now, under other circumstances, I would have sold that for a hundred dollars. But, but now I'm not selling it to her. I'm saying I own the improved value of your gold, and I'm going to give you my portion in this gold and this jewelry, and you'll marry me with it. So then you understand, by the way, now why you have to hand it over, right? Because it's my gold that I'm now handing over, my improved value. That's what Rebbe Mayer Wait, says. Her gold. Her gold is my. It's her gold and it's my jewelry. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. exactly. No, you don't own any part of this jewelry. It's only $100 that's owed to you. And you can't marry her with a debt. So that seems to be the debate. And he says, look, not necessarily. The Chuleyama, I'll tell you, everybody says. Uh, you don't own the Shepach. You only owe, and it's really she only owes you $100. The debate is whether it's a debt um, that she's been owing you money, the, the debt's been accruing, or whether it is, you know, only something that comes at the end. She, the fee only comes at the end. Until then, she owes you nothing. The fee comes at the end. So now I finally have finished, and now that I've finished, I'm saying, you know what? It's don't owe me the money. I am giving you the gift of my labor. So that type of a case, that is a, 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 a gift I've given her that's worth a sugar pizza. Rabban and Sabi and the rabbis all, yes, let's give some No, you, you, it, it's a debt that's been accruing. So therefore, it's just money that she owes you. And therefore, you can't be makadish to mill them. So that's another way of explaining the debate. The Ebi thing, if you want, I could say, everybody says from beginning to end, okay, so it is a debt, um, and if it's a debt, then what's the debate about? Maybe the debate is, can you marry a woman with money she owes you? You're, you know, okay. Oh, we have a lot of that in Kiddush. Yeah, right. right. Now let's try to do one more thing. Rava says, Everybody say from beginning to end. And the milva doesn't work. You can't be Mekadisha with the milva. You can't be Mekadisha with the gift of your labor. You can't be Mekadisha with your value of, that you own in the improved gold because your woman is not going to be so what do you make? What are you being mekadesher with, according to Rabbi Meir? That basically, you basically, she said, you know, the, the fee of a hundred dollars to make it into a type of a bracelet, and then what you did is you, because you loved her so much, you made an extra little engravement, an extra little, you know, uh, improvement that normally would not be part of the fee. Okay, and that was your gift to her. That was not something that was ingre- agreed upon. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so let's take a look. Um, what? <laughs> right. You're my, you're my own little personal special touch. So, Rabbi Meir Sava. So, Rabbi Meir's Milvo Pruta Daita Pruta. That it basically, you know, there's a debt. So, you know, he asked me to do X. I did X plus a little extra. So, therefore, now I give it to her. So somebody, even though I'm giving her something worth uh, basically being mochel a hundred dollar debt that she owes me, the fact that I'm being mochel a hundred dollar debt, but I'm also giving something concrete, you know, right now, 
So person is not necessarily just focused, you know, people are not totally, um, you know, rational. You could say totally cynical in that, the, you know, what they say doing to is, is cynic, but he knows the, you know, what is the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Yeah. So people don't just look at the dollar cost of something. Even though you're being mochal, a hundred dollar debt, there's something concrete that you're giving right now and something personal, but I mean, here it's personal, but Rene would say even if it's true about a priest, a man says to a woman, hey, I'm a Kaddish you, I'm mochal a hundred dollars you owe me, and I'm, here's a priest, and I'm a Kaddish you. Nothing too much personal about a fruit to hear it's personal. But then nevertheless, the fact that it's present and physical and concrete, the person actually can, the, the milva doesn't overshadow that. And they can focus on the fruit, and the fruit can be the object of the kiddushin. Okay? Daita a fruta. Sabansavi milva fruta. Daita milva the milva overshadows it, and therefore, fundamentally, the person is only thinking about that as what they're receiving. And, and a milva is not something that you could be makadish with. But well, Pus is the honey tonight, and it's the same as the debate of the following tonight. The time you've got to write up. If somebody says, I will marry you, you know, I, I worked on your car, you go to the mechanic, and the mechanic says, you know what, you owe me a thousand dollars for the work on the car, but tell you what, forget about what I owe you and marry me with that, with, with the fee that you owe me, with the work that I've already done. With the work that I've already done for you. And the Kudesha. That's that good. You know why? Because that's from Kaddish Benilza. The debt was already incurred. Okay, or imach, I guess. If the person says, you know what, I'll do the work on your radiator, but for the work I will do for you, you'll marry me. Okay, so what's the story? So mikudet, that does work. Okay, that's like the Rebbe Meir and the gold. We'll see what this is about. Neither way works. Okay, whether it's the past debt or work you're going to do. Neither way works, which is what which is right Rebbe Nathan says. But if you add it in and you threw in a little extra thing of your own, the Kudash says that works. So what's the debate? What? You can't say, Oh look, I added a little something we're we're engaged now. No, no, no. He would have to say, I am you with what I've added. Right. And she would have to agree. Okay, now, so Bain Tanakama Rebbe Nassan, so between the Tanakama Rebbe Nassan, does it work when it says, the work that I will do for you? So, Ika Beinayu Schirus. That's the question about Schirus. So, yes, no, the Schirus mitchila viatsof. Right? Or you could say whether it's Uman Kona Bishvach Kli. Alright? But, you know, if yes, no, Schirus mitchila viatsof, then even if it's the work I'm going to do for you, by the time the work is done, it's a debt and it's still Makadish Bamilza. If then the obligation only comes at the end, and then you're giving the gift of your labor. Okay, so that would be that, or maybe it's uman kamedishvachli. And then Rebbe Rebbe Nosan. Now, what's the issue about the idea that everybody agrees that it doesn't work, but but there's a debate of if you add your own little extra thing that you throw in. So according to that, Rebbe Nosan ega benayu schiras. The case about a move and a prusa, whether when you throw in that extra little thing, is that enough to be mekadesh, even though that wasn't sort of like the agreed upon, uh, what was agreed upon. Okay, so we'll end with this here, unfortunately, we have, we're still a little bit behind, but the next thing turns us real, is going to turn us back. This was, this was real Bubba Kama stuff, because it was about like a, making a change and owning the improvement you've created through your change. Now the Gemara is going to turn back to the real point of the Mishnah, which is the case of Mazik. And under what circumstances are you liable if you mess up on a job that you've done? Can you be treated as a Mazik and have to pay for the damage? Looks like tomorrow is a couple of huge toasts. Yeah, so I think tomorrow we'll catch up. Okay.
Yeah. Where Jughead is uh, mowing lawn 